Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who would win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. The pizza parlor is filled with youth. Laughs and mirth fill the air on a breezy spring evening. It is then that shots ring out and a gang of 'er ne'er-do-wells start assaulting the patrons. But not for long, as the Toxic Avenger shows up and cleans house on all the scumbags. Unfortunately, Mystery Incorporated was standing a little too close to those ruffians, and now old Toxie has it out for them as well. Scooby turns to Shaggy and gulps, Ruh-roh, Raggy! Shaggy turns back to Scoob and just says, You got that right, pal! It's Monster Hero versus the Scooby Gang. It's Melvin versus a van full of meddling kids. It's Mystery Incorporated versus the Toxic Avenger. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gabsey, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Ray Stacanus. It's our fifth and final match of Shocktober. Ray and I are tied at two wins apiece, so today's battle will determine the Shocktober champion. And one corner, you have Mystery Incorporated, made up of Fred, Daphne, Velva, Shaggy, and their talking great Dane, Scooby-Doo, of course, who travel in their van, the Mystery Machine, solving supernatural mysteries versus the Toxic Avenger, the mutated cult superhero who fights against corruption and various forms of evil in the fictional town of Tromaville. As usual, I did the patented Hoodwin Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed. And yet again, no one has ever discussed this exact matchup in the history of the universe because I checked. So yet again, the Hoodwin team brings you a premier never-before-discussed geek culture battle. And you're welcome, Legion of Audience. Ray, what are your thoughts on today's battle? Well, first off, I want to say sometimes I get people in the comment section telling me they are not fond of my impressions up top. And let me tell you something. If you think my impression doesn't sound like the character it's supposed to be, congratulations, you've discovered me doing an original character. Thank you very much. It's called an interpretation. Get over it. Now, we're talking about Toxic Avenger versus Mystery Incorporated, and you've wanted to bring Scooby-Doo back since basically the episode last he was on the show. Uh, You make no bones about this. You've been getting your way a lot the last two months. I don't know exactly how that's been happening, but Toxic Avenger is somebody that's been suggested quite a few times 
And, and I was very excited to do him on the show. I do think I like these iconic but very, very niche characters that are going to hit with a certain part of our audience. The thing I didn't realize upon going back and watching these movies again, you know, maybe 40 years or so since the last time perhaps I saw them, yikes, is they're not... Here's the deal. What I would say about the Toxic Avenger movies, I think they are very culturally important and relevant. I think they they share an important part in film history and culturally of the United States. But I would I would consider them like I would consider some of those Disney movies where there should probably be some disclaimers right off the top where we have, you know, like Whoopi Goldberg, like the Disney films come out and say, these are of their time. These are some of the most triggering, unpleasant, violent, gory films that do a lot of things that would trigger a lot of people. Just know this walking in the door. I cannot suggest these movies, but if it's the kind of thing based on what I just said you would like to check out, I think historically it's it's relevant. People talk about the Toxic Avenger the same way my parents talked about Blazing Saddles. Saying like, yeah, you know, for the time, it kind of was funny and what have you. If you watch it today with, you know, a modern lens on society, it's uh, it's questionable at best and, uh, you know, something else at worst. Now, listen, Ray Sicanis, we got to tell the Legion audience, you know, something very, very important. You know, you and I, for a, a really rare thing happened, we unified our, our fronts together. We walked in as one into the Hoodwin production team meeting, and they're like, oh, great. So we finished October. Who are we going to pick next for the battle? And we both were like, oh, no, 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 no. We're tied. Two wins apiece. We can't let this stand. We both would rather lose October than say, oh, we tied at two wins each. Not a thing we're going to do. So we told the team we're doing a fifth matchup we need to determine a shocktober champion clearly it's going to be me but race to Kansas is here repping a great character now when you have such an important matchup you need an equally important and significant judge and we are not going to disappoint the fans today so making another appearance on the who would win show it's the go-to digital media guy you know who i'm talking about it's phil ranta phil welcome back to who would win Thank you for having me, James and Ray. I'm really excited for this one. This is a, a little bit of 80s nostalgia all over the place. I'm very excited for this matchup. You know, sounding a little like Beetlejuice, by the way, which I love. You know, uh, before we get into this, uh, Phil, tell the Legion of Audience, if you can, our faithful fan base, what you've been up to. Oh, geez. What, I mean, uh, taking over the internet and ruining your children's minds. No, it's been good. I've been uh, doing a lot of uh, raising two children. I've been doing a lot of uh, shit posting on LinkedIn and uh, getting a lot of haters <laughs> and lovers for it. I don't see how anyone could hate anything you do. I've seen pictures of your family. They're absolutely fantastic. And, you know, your LinkedIn posts are both, you know, informative and entertaining. And I love the fact that you take a stand on LinkedIn. You know, most people are like, I'm putting up my tweets or X post, whatever it is, or TikTok. Whatever. No, 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 no. Phil Ranta is that guy who's going to go on LinkedIn and make his stance known on things because that's where he wants to platform. pick a fight. I picked my platform in 2017 and I went, <laughs> this is everything to me and none of the other ones matter. And I stuck to it. Dang it. Well, you know, listen, th this is, that's what's you know so great about you, Phil, that you're, you're this unique type of person. You bring a unique flair to the show. Uh, you've brought some unique judgments, to say the least, to this. We've both gotten wins with you're the, when you're the judge. 
you know, do you see this matchup today? You know, the Toxic Venture, kind of a cult classic versus, you know, Mystery Incorporated. Been around since, what, 1969? Yeah. Is this a typical who would win match for you, or is this something different? This is way different. I mean, the Toxic Avenger, actually, the first time I saw it was in college uh, with a screening where Lloyd Kaufman was there, and he was flanked by the bikini models and the whole trauma thing that always happens. And, like, Scooby-Doo is, like, a deeply personal thing I grew up with. So, and, and, I mean, at at first blush, like, Toxic Avenger is a warrior, and the Scooby gang is commonly quite scared of even the simplest monster. Uh, so it seems obvious, but I think that that's also part of the fun of the show, right? Like, con convince me. It'll be good. We'll see what happens. You know, we've repped Scooby-Doo on the show before with great results, ass race to Canis. But, well, you know, it's, it's a new matchup. It's a new day. But this is some big stakes. The and champion of Shocktober. One thing I want to bring up here, I believe I said a moment ago that, you know, potentially saw this movie Toxic Avenger like 40 years ago, which would be an impossibility because the movie is not 40 years old. <laughs> so perhaps I, I, I would pick a, a smaller decade. We'll say 30 years ago. I feel weird saying that potentially I saw a movie 40 years ago when I know I was very, very small and the movie did not exist. It seems like I was telling lies on the show and I don't want to start the show like that. I want to just come correct immediately. I got to tell you, Ray Sicanis has never told any lie on the Who Would Win show and Thank he you. sticks to the highest standards of truth and morality and ethics would all be things I can't say with a straight face. When you I, think of the word ethics, you think of Ray Stacanus. You think of a, a, a paragon of virtue that your children can look up to and finally see somebody and go, that's a winner. That's somebody I wish my kids were like. That guy gets it. That guy, I bet, can't spell Paragon. The point is, we have a great episode. But with all of that being said, it's time to get this party started. Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. What is a Paragon? Is that two gods? Is that what a Paragon is? It's a Paragon, yeah. yeah they're side by side. Yeah, it's a pair of them. Representing Hanna-Barbera, the crew who, until otherwise proven, lives in a van down by the river. Mystery Incorporated. And representing Troma Films, the ninth or tenth most unsettling thing to come out of New Jersey. I mean, did you see that Jets Giants game this weekend? Jeez. Yeah, not good. Jeez. Not good. The Toxic Avenger. Well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a who would win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the who would win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, there are so many incredible versions of the Toxic Avenger. Which version will you be using today? No, I'm going to do my best to stick to the movie version of The Toxic Avenger. There wow. are four films and a reboot starring Peter Dinklage, of all things, uh, uh, coming out in the year 2023. It just debuted uh, a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if we're supposed to talk about that, but I don't, it can't be SAG, right? Anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, there, uh, I, to be fair, I did not want to sit down and watch all four Toxic Avenger movies coming into this battle. I just couldn't do that to myself. It's just a short period of time. You need chasers. So I believe all of my feats come from the movies and nothing comes from the cartoon. If one or two slipped in because I was reading off some lists, so be it. 
but I believe it still keeps the core of the character. All right, that answers a lot of my questions, and uh, you know, I don't know if that makes it any easier for me or not. I will be using. Well, let me make the, put it this way. Let me make this real simple. I will not be bringing in Scrappy Doo. I'm not using this Ultra Instinct Shaggy that goes Super Saiyan that we've been seeing you know, all over the internet. I'm going with kind of the continuing Mystery Incorporated members of you know Scooby, Daphne, Fred, Velma, and Shaggy. You know, in the spirit that they were intended to be used. And, right. and that makes a lot of sense because if you brought up Scrappy Doo, that's an instant loss. And if Ultra Instinct Shaggy is a meme character, and we've already said, much like the Star Wars Legends, that fan fiction doesn't count. I believe the Ultra Instinct Shaggy is in a deleted scene from a commercial. Therefore, according to Brent Pope, it is admissible, but I'm not going to use it. I'm How just, dare it, you? I know. He, I he to wants to get past that moment. Please, it's, let's it's let him not, happen. It's not going to happen. All right, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats! from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides has the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes, and where no outside interference is allowed. And finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter. It can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store. Visit www.whowouldwinstore.com to get your hands on some great Who Would Win shirts and merch. And now let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for the Toxic Avenger. The Toxic Avenger is a violent, comical superhero in a series of low-budget movies of the same name. He was created by Lloyd Kaufman and first appeared in the movie The Toxic Avenger back in 1984. Wow. Melvin Junko was a picked-on nerd, a classic 90-pound weakling, the subject of cruelty and bullying. Melvin was tricked into kissing a sheep by the people at the health club where he worked as a janitor. He was also a terrible janitor, like very unsanitary. So, I mean, you know, come on, man. Trying to flee the scene, Melvin fell out of a window and into a vat of toxic waste, granting him superpowers. Now, the Toxic Avenger is strong, fast, durable, and willing to kill at the drop of a hat. He is also hideously deformed and would give Freddy Krueger a run for his money in any beauty pageant that they both would enter. Fun fact, trauma films have always had a unique place in American pop culture. That is true. Created on the most shoestring of budgets, appealing as hard as they can to the lowest possible common denominators, and often attracting some of the most talented young people of that time in that area, many A-list actors, directors, and writers have all taken a turn on Troma projects. Most notably, however, is the opportunity Troma gave to the world of superhero cinema. Let's tie it in. Because 1996's Tromeo and Juliet was mainly written by a young artist in his first ever industry job named James Gunn. Yes, the Guardians of the Galaxy and Peacemaker superstar show creator cut his teeth for the studio possibly setting the stage for all the magic that would happen later. Oh, by the way, J.J. Abrams, he also got his first industry gig scoring the 1982 film Night Beast for Troma as well. So, huge legacy. And that is The Toxic Avenger. 
Very cool. Now, here are the details for Mystery Incorporated. Mystery Incorporated is a franchise through Scooby-Doo that has been a staple of American popular culture and was created by writers Joe Ruby and Ken Spears, along with character designer Iwayo Takamoto. The series made its debut on September 13, 1969, with the animated show Scooby-Doo, Where Are You?, which aired on the CBS network. The core ensemble consists of four human characters, Fred Jones, Daphne Blake, Velma Dinkley, and Shaggy Rogers, along with their Great Dane, Scooby-Doo. Together, they form Mystery Incorporated, a group of amateur amateur detectives who travel in their psychedelic van known as the Mystery Machine, solving mysteries that usually involve supposedly supernatural creatures, sometimes humans in masks. Fred is often portrayed as a leader and strategist. Daphne is a danger-prone beauty. Velma is the brains behind the operation. Shaggy is a laid-back, perpetually hungry individual. And Scooby-Doo as the easily scared yet lovable Great Dane. Over the years, the characters have evolved, but the core of the show has always been its blend of mystery, comedy, and the endearing relationship among the members of Mystery Incorporated. And here's an interesting fact about Shaggy, of all people. Did you know that Shaggy is a vegetarian thanks to Casey Kasem? It's true. Casey Kasem voiced Shaggy from the very beginning of Scooby-Doo and continued to do so until 1995. Kasem didn't tire of the role, but quit because he was asked to voice Shaggy in a Burger King commercial of all things race to Canis. Now, as a vegan, Kasem found the idea to be reprehensible and walked away rather than represent the burger chain. Kasem came back to Scooby-Doo in 2002, but only after the producers made one important change. Upon Kasem's return, Shaggy officially became a vegetarian, which means I have something in common with Casey Kasem because I may not be a vegetarian, but all of the animals I eat sure are. Way to take a stand, Casey. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Bill, do you have any questions before we get started? Uh, one, one. So the Toxic Avenger, if we're just going by the the movie version and not the cartoon version, then it, there, there's a fair amount of supernatural powers that come in with this. But whereas the movie version, it's it's like it kind of begins and ends with super strength. Am I to be understand that these supernatural powers are mostly not in there? I would say that the Toxic Avenger is more than just brute strength. However, they give him a lot more stuff in the cartoon show. Yeah. That being said, I don't think I'm being true to the character because, you know, one thing the 80s, the 1980s like to do is take the most violent for adults movies they could possibly find and repackage them for small children, including mm -hmm. a Rambo cartoon show, Fantastic. a RoboCop cartoon right. show. And I guess it was technically early 90s. But yes, the Toxic Crusaders. Toxic Crusaders, yes. Toxic Avenger and his toxic family. I, you know, and we, on knowing us half the podcast, we have watched an episode of Toxic Crusaders mm -hmm. fairly recently. And it is, it is, it is what it is. I still remember the, the part of the theme song where they say, he's gross, but he still gets girls. And that just <laughs> stuck with me when I was a kid. Uh, wow. And then when it comes to the Scooby Doo stuff, so I have to assume because so often Scooby Doo is about running away. Right? Are, are we to believe that when these face-off happens that running away is a factor? Because I have to assume that Shaggy and Scooby, who never fight, would be gone or in the corner and just waiting to die in the fetal position, especially. Uh, sure, you think they'd pull what we call a race to Canis fighting maneuver, but no, here's the thing. I will explain through the usage of Scooby snacks and examples of actual happenings, if you will, uh, within this continuity of where they actually not only take on very crazy and powerful opponents, but pull out victories. Wow. 
Well, I'm excited to hear all of that. My questions have been answered. Fantastic. All right. We got a great judge. We have two great debaters. We have two great sets of characters we're debating. Let's go and get this party started. Ray, hit us with your point number one. Point number one for the Toxic Avenger, I am going to start with that raw power. I'm going to start with the fact that he is a massive character. They did a very common Lou Ferrigno trope in the trauma world. They hired a six foot four, majorly ripped actor to play the Toxic Avenger on their show. They loaded him down with uh, prosthetics, uh, put a bunch of makeup on his skin to make him look all burned and ashed out. And, you know, he wears, uh, you know, he wears like, what is it? Like a t-shirt that's ripped up. But one important thing that the Toxic Avenger wears that I want to start with is he wears a tutu. He very famously, as part of his superhero costume, wears a tutu. So the first question I have to ask is, how tough, how monstrously tough do you have to be to pull off that look when dealing with the seedy underworld of a town in New Jersey that is riddled with crime? Anybody walking the streets wearing a tutu is bound to get bullied, but the Toxic Avenger isn't. That's a good point. Now, his main weapon, uh, because he doesn't really do a lot of different types of things, his mop. He was a janitor in real life, although, again, he was doing things like mopping by the pool while it was crowded and slapping people in the head with the mop while he was going by them and dipping the mop in the pool, which is not something that you are supposed to do. He was correctly called out for working very unsanitarily. I don't think that man should have been bullied. I do think he should have been fired or at least suspended until he could figure out how to be an appropriate janitor. But thankfully, this isn't who would win janitorially. This is who would win in a fight. He uses a mop as his weapon, often going up against trained martial arts fighters, and he is able to make it work for him. He's able to swing it, twirl it, smack people, disarm people. We'll get into a little bit more of that later. But let's not forget his legendary strength. He once picked up a Greyhound bus, turned it around so it faced the other way. That is important. None of the characters in the Scooby-Doo gang, AKA Mystery Incorporated, have that type of power. They've dealt mainly with charlatans, with magicians, with people who don't actually have powers in real life. What happens when this crew is confronted by a diabolical maniac who won't see reason, who is super strong? I got a bad feeling they're going to get ripped apart. Why? Because in one of the fights in the first movie, he ripped off a man's face with his bare hands. He just reached out and tore the man's face off, leaving him in a screaming pile. He poked out the eye... He poked out the eyeballs of another member of this gang with his two fingers like it was a Three Stooges maneuver and gouged them both out of his head and wore them like bugle snacks on his two fingers. Delicious bugles, gross if it's eyeballs. The other thing is, he we'll get into the violence later, even more so, but he forced a guy's hands in a uh, taco restaurant into the grease that they used to for to make the fries and he took the man's arms and dipped them in there and turned them into crispy critters again he also fought powerful characters he went one-on-one with an evil version of sergeant kabuki man NYPD, the other (coughs) major trauma character who was in a bunch of stuff himself. Now, Sergeant Kabuki, man, is is a very powerful martial artist. He can fly, and he has uh, powerful weapons based on 
traditional Japanese items, I think is the appropriate way you would say that. He has chopsticks that can catch bullets. And he fought with multiple nunchucks at the same time against Toxic Avenger. And using his mop, he was able to disarm both nunchucks at the same time and then plant them in a vat of something and close the lid to make it a more, not fair fight, but a better fight for himself. At the end of the day, the Toxic Avenger is way too strong. And I don't know what Scooby-Doo and the gang are going to do to get themselves out of this one. And that's my point number one. All right. A little bit to push back on an otherwise amazing character. Now, first of all, I just got to comment on this. You know, very tough people wear a pink tutu. There is a, uh, you know, the legendary stunt person, one of the first MMA people ever in the history of the MMA and legendary just wrestler and grappler, Judo Jean LaBelle wore a pink, you know, Judo Gi. And no one's ever going to tough, rest in peace, no one's ever going to question how tough that guy is. I have a personal story about him, I'll tell another time. All I can say is that guy was a monster, wore a pinky, and represented it well, as does the Toxic Adventure with his tutu. On top of that, a mop is really cool. It's actually got some destructive power, but it's got limited range. That's the problem with it. Also, two hands, if you're using it, you're typically not using the edge of it. You're using the middle. So again, your range gets shortened even more as well. And finally, Scooby-Doo and the gang, they actually have dealt with beings with super strength and superpowers that actually blow away the power set of the Toxic Avenger. Remember, Scooby-Doo and Mystery Incorporated, this is a history of well over 50 years. And they are well past that whole thing of, hey, it's um, let's unmask this space pirate. Oh, no, it's that weird guy, Mr. Johnson from the farm. You know, it's they're way past that whole thing, even though that's still insanely entertaining. Now, let me get to my point number one for Mystery Incorporated. And with my point number one, let's keep going. With this. Let's talk about the individual members of Mystery Incorporated. Now, each member of Mr. Inc. has a unique skill set that complements the others. They have a synergy, if you will. They make a great team. And when it comes to solving mysteries and taking down superpowers, Powerful and supernatural threats, they are insanely good. Now, let's talk about Fred Jones. He's the leader. He's the strat strategist of Mystery Incorporated. He really excels at coming up with these crazy plans and traps to capture villains, and he does this because he has this ability to kind of do, analyze environments and create and understand trap-setting potential as a, you know, it's one of his biggest assets. He can do this, like, on the fly. For example, in numerous episodes, Fred's utilized surrounding elements like chandeliers or sand bits to create quick yet effective traps that lead to the capture of the villain. One notable moment for Fred is the episode A Clue for Scooby-Doo from the original series where Fred constructs an elaborate trap to capture the ghost of Captain Cutler. Captain Cutler, one of the greatest ghosts. I have no idea if he has risen. And that's what he does. He executes plans precisely. He, in this episode, he used an electromagnet and some quick thinking, and he ensured that this whole guy got, the whole plan came apart because of Fred's plan. He's that good. Now, there's Daphne Blake, and she's the one who spots clues that others might overlook. And thanks to her keen eye for detail, she's really, really smart and is actually quite a good detective on her own. She also has skills in self-defense and possesses the courage to explore things where others might, you know, hey, I don't want to go in there. It's kind of scary. She's like, no, we're going in. We're going to check it out. Fun fact. She's actually a badass fighter. In the Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost movie, Daphne faces off against this villainous character named Thorn in hand-to-hand -hand combat, fighting him to a standstill. I believe he had some extra power as well, but that's how great she is. Of course, there's Velma Dinkley. She's awesome. She's the intellectual powerhouse of the group. She's got that deductive reasoning, those skills, detective skills. 
you know, she's the one who solves the mystery. She has a wide range of knowledge across multiple subjects, from chemistry to folklore. An example of her strength is when she deciphers ancient texts or uses scientific methods to analyze substances, pinpointing key information that leads to the villain's motive and identity, I guess. And there's an episode called What a Night for a Night, the second night spelled with a K, of course. It was the first episode in the original Scooby-Doo series. It's Velma's intellect that recognizes the importance of a book of spells, and then she deduces the villain's motive and master plan and figures out who it is. She's just that smart. Of course, there's Shaggy Rogers, who brings that, I don't know what the right term is, adaptability, his quick thinking to the team. And he does this in high-pressure situations. Phil, you said, well, he runs away from stuff. How many times does Shaggy run away from something and actually get the win because of, I don't know, he accidentally leads the thing into a trap or kind of overcomes whatever obstacles in front of him? Look, he might be known for his cowardice and his huge appetite, but he has this ability to think on his feet when in danger. And that saved the team more than once. I think it was, uh, I think he used that creativity and he used Scooby's disguises to distract or mislead villains. I think there was Scooby-Doo in the Cyber Chase movie, if I'm not mistaken. And in that, Shaggy uses his quick thinking to trick the phantom virus into a trap, which is really crazy. He's got that ability to improvise under pressure. And that saves the day way more than calculated when the calculated plans fall through. That's all I'm trying to say with that. Look, I haven't even gotten to the not-so-secret weapon of Mystery Incorporated, namely Scooby-Doo. There's a reason for that, because when you think about these four characters, they're often misunderstood in terms of how powerful and how great and capable they are. All of that is my point number one. Yeah, uh, that's fine. Look, we're starting out a little lighter. We're not going super heavy at this point in the battle because we never do. You did bring up a Captain Cutler, and I, you know, I, I, I do think uh, Captain Jay Cutler, former quarterback of the Chicago Bears, uh, was a captain of the team. Unfortunately, I think he would be easy to capture. You would just put a pack of cigarettes under a cage with a rope on it. So maybe not that impressive after all. One thing I would say is that usually the Scooby gang and Fred encounter the villain at least once, fight, you know, kind of are, are privy to their tricks, see the projection, see the costume, and they have that happen once and escape to think about it before Fred finds the angle to come back with. Not an option on a Who Would Win show. And you talked about, oh, some of these monsters, they're so, they're so un, un, unrespected in the world. Well, here's a, a, a small sampling that I just grabbed. Some of the people they fought, futuristic monsters. Monster. Okay. Skeleton Men, Jaguaro, Old Iron Face, and Star Creature. Maybe there's a reason, James, that these villains don't get the respect that you think they deserve. I don't know. Star Creature sounds pretty uh, insanely powerful to me. All right. Listen, we got to go to the judge. Phil, you've heard one point from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at so far with this battle? I mean, right now it feels like we have just properly level set. And I appreciate that we got a level set, but not a lot that was said that I think that me and the audience didn't already know. I have one point of clarification, which I've never done on the show before. When we say they're meeting in a neutral zone, are we to believe that it is a truly neutral zone? As in, no chandeliers, no uh, uh, loose electronics with water nearby. No, like, because I think that's incredibly important to define especially when you're talking about things like Fred's ability to, to adapt to the environment. Well, Here's I would say the, right now, they're not fighting in a void. They're not just fighting in a blank space. Right. They would be fighting in an environment that doesn't specifically give one side a massive advantage over the other. So there will be random objects and debris that both sides would have access to. It would be hard to find any reasonable battle location that wouldn't have those things. 
That makes sense. That makes sense. No, I hundred. That's that's where I thought I was. I just wanted to make sure that that was clear. I still feel like specifically right now that the Scooby Gang is pretty overpowered still at this point, only because we've seen the Toxic Adventure go up against gangs. The gangs have been tough, and oftentimes the Scooby Gang. Although I do agree that they have a lot of wits, they've got a lot of bravery, they've got a lot of interesting X factors. Oftentimes that does require a fair amount of time. They have to run around the haunted house. They have to look through the carnival. They find a thing. They put it together. It's like you have to put it together over a long period of time. And when they're right on the spot, I would love to hear how a Fred or a Daphne or a Fred or a Velma would be able to handle very, very, very quick thinking because that I feel like that has not yet been made clear. Fair enough. All good points. And I just hope that all that is made clear somewhere. My point number two or point number three. Who knows? Maybe it is. Maybe it won't. won't We'll see. Probably not. All right, Ray Cicadas, go ahead and history your point number two. Point number two for the Toxic Avenger. Let's talk a little bit about his durability. Because one of the concerns I have with James bringing any arguments is that they are able to uh, defeat regular people, right? We've seen them defeat regular people who are trying to trick everybody over and over again. Those people are generally a little bit more uh, attuned to the laws of physics and have no superpowers in real life. They are pretending. Well, what are they going to do that's actually going to put down a character like the Toxic Avenger when I've seen so little do so up to this point? Durability-wise, he was surrounded by a gang of about, I think, five, maybe six thugs uh, that all had shotguns, and they encircled him completely, and they were about to shoot him, and they were about to gun him down right there. Well, he didn't want that to happen. We don't know that that would have killed him, but he definitely didn't want to see it happen, so he did the Luke Skywalker jump out of the Carbonite pit, if you remember that jumped like 30 feet up in the air when they all pulled the triggers and shot each other simultaneously. If the Scooby gang tries on all sides to come after the Toxic Avenger, he could jump straight up in the air and they would all comically run into each other and have the little cuckoo birds and stars around their heads. And that's not a position, much like in Street Fighter II against Zangief, that is not a position you want to find yourself against the Toxic Avenger. At one point, a guy tried to drive a moving car right through the Toxic Avenger. He must have thought to himself, in a few years, this is going to work in the movie RoboCop against a guy covered in toxic waste. Maybe I'll try it here. Well, Toxic Avenger jumped on top of that moving car, spun himself around, grabbed you know the front frame of it, was riding it for a while before reaching down, opening the passenger door. If you have ever tried to open a passenger door of a moving car from the outside, it is very difficult. Don't ask me how I know. He then pulled it open, ripped out the passenger, got inside, ripped the steering wheel off the car. These people were dangerous murderers. It was fine. And he sent the car off of a cliff where it blew up. I don't know anybody, if he does that to the mystery machine, the gang is in trouble. They are in deep trouble if he just gets himself inside and tears off the uh, steering wheel, right? But these movies are gross. These Toxic Avenger movies are over-the-top violent. It is one of the reasons I can't necessarily give them a kind of full-throated endorsement. Terrible things happen to very innocent people in these movies. The the mild version of how I'm going to say this, a child gets run over with a car on purpose, a seeing-eye dog gets shot in a restaurant with a shotgun, and an old lady gets beat down by two thugs when asking for help carrying her groceries. People are very mean to each other in these movies, and it is frankly upsetting 
And the reason I could not watch all four of them in a row, it hurt my soul just a little bit. That being said, he lives in that world. And I'll get more in point number three, but he lives in a world of pure violence. They live in a world where no blood is ever shed. When we meet together in a neutral location, pulling both out of their elements, one of them is still going to be hyper-violent, and the others are going to be a little skittish and not know what to do if body parts start getting ripped off. And durability-wise, look, he could take shots. He took a spin kick to the face multiple times against trained martial artists, barely flinched. He took revolver shots at close range and didn't do anything at all. He was attacked by a whole gang who were coming at him with repeated punches and kicks. And again, he, he no-sold like he's prime Undertaker in the ring. And the last thing I'll mention, one of my favorite moments in all of Toxic Avenger, he decided he needed to go to Japan for one of the movies. So instead of buying a plane ticket, he said, I'm going Godzilla style. And he walked into the Pacific Ocean, I believe, and then walked all the way to Japan on the bottom of the ocean. That's a tough guy. I, I don't know anybody who could pull off that feat outside of a kaiju-sized monster. And he's six foot four, so I don't even know. Again, if the bottom of the Pacific Ocean doesn't hurt the Toxic Avenger, how will Shaggy and Scooby-Doo? I don't know. And that's my point number two. Interesting stuff. Again, I, I love Toxic Avenger because he is that insanely tough individual. Superhuman strength, superhuman durability. He definitely has that, you know... He wants to get the job done, too. He doesn't give up easy. Just lots of stuff to love about this person. But the problem is he does have some weaknesses. Now, to address one of Ray's points, you know, uh, surrounding an opponent from every direction and then charging in towards the center, towards that opponent, that's not something Mr. Incorporated does at all. They lead them to traps. They figure out how to defeat the person. And often the times, as I'll explain later, Scooby-Doo just has a way to actually create a win for himself unintentionally. That's what happens. Now, on top of that, you know, Toxic Crusader, he's got a huge unwillingness to hurt anyone he deems as innocent. And there's a good chance he'll look at, you know, the Mystery Incorporated gang and be like, ah, I'm going to fight. I don't know. There's that really nice person with the glasses who seems really smart. I don't know. Shaggy and I could probably be friends. I don't know. Oh, and that lovable dog. I'm just wondering if he's going to be like, I don't want to hurt these innocent kids. That could be a thing. And finally, he's got this. I don't know how else to say it. This lack of intellectual power, his intellectual power pales in comparison to his physical power. He's someone who's not really a planner. He's someone who more or less, you know, he reacts to things. And that's exactly the type of opponents that Mystery Incorporated fight and overcome all the time. So this actually is a great kind of villain for them to take on because they've beaten this type of person before. So with all that being said, let me get to my point number two. And in my point number two, Let's just go for it. Let's talk Scooby-Doo and all of his magnificence. Now, in season one of The Who Would Win Show, I repped Scooby-Doo against Michael Myers. In that episode, I revealed and then further proved a key point about Scooby-Doo, which is that he may be one of the most powerful beings in all of animation. This is true, Judge Phil Ranta. Check this out. Now, before we get there, let's start with the basics. Scooby-Doo is off the charts intelligent for 
a dog anyway. I mean, he's a talking dog. He's got opposable thumbs that he can use, use his front paws like hands. His tail is like a prehensile t- tail. He can grab things with it. He can swing from all. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy what this dog can do. But that is the least of what the greatness is of Scooby-Doo. There's so much more. Look, without even trying, how many times has Scooby-Doo led someone into a trap and ensnared them? How many times he accidentally foiled someone's plot without having a clue he was doing it? How many times has he survived horrible pitfalls when by all accounts he should have been killed or at least badly hurt or even just need a freaking band-aid? I've mentioned this before. I'm saying it again. Here's the deal. Scooby-Doo is a world-class escapologist, survivalist, crime fighter, monster hunter, mystery solver without even knowing he's doing any of that. In the end, there's not much the Toxic Avenger can do that Scooby-Doo hasn't already subconsciously and unwittingly survived, destroyed, and overcome. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road. The reason why, after well over 50 years, Scooby-Doo hasn't needed any type of medical aid, a Band-Aid, or it's even bled once, is because Scooby-Doo has magical abilities or superpowers, maybe both. I have evidence and proof in the form of YouTube videos that Scooby-Doo has anything from low-level teleportation capabilities and can possibly bend the laws of physics themselves. In one episode, Scooby-Doo is running away from a floating apparition, a ghost, if you will, and Scooby-Doo turns a corner and disappears from sight. The apparition turns the corner, has no idea where he went, and all of a sudden, Scooby appears on the ceiling and is hiding in the chandelier. Seems like teleportation Nightcrawler style from the X-Men to me. How many episodes have we seen Scooby-Doo being chased through one door down the hallway, only to impossibly reappear out of another door, another part of the same hallway? The only logical explanation is that he's creating a small localized wormhole. Do you have any idea how much energy and power and control that takes, Phil Ranta? It's a lot. In another episode, Scooby is getting away from a pirate by, and this is insane, riding a jackhammer away from him. What kind of sorcery does Scooby-Doo do have to ride a jackhammer? And then somehow, Scooby rides that same jackhammer up the wall and then upside down across the ceiling and staying there, thereby completely defying gravity and several laws of physics. Now let's dial this back a bit because on top of all that, Scooby is also a master of disguise. How many times have we seen him running away from someone or something, turn a corner, and all of a sudden appearing as a nice old grandma that's Scooby-Doo or a cowboy or something else, and his disguise is so good that it actually completely fools many of the things chasing after him, even though we, as outside observers into this world, we can I mean, we can clearly see it's Still freaking Scooby-Doo the dog dressed up in a wig and dress and still sounding like a talking dog in that costume. So why does this fool his opponents? Because he's using that on, you know, some type of form. I don't know. It's like a James Gavsey patent pending intoxicating mind fog, if you will. Something that on every Scooby-Doo related show is something Scooby can do, which at the very least temporarily confuses his would-be attackers. And who gets confused easily? Who is not the intellectual heavyweight in this whole matchup? It's the Toxic Avenger. Look, the Toxic Avenger is cool. He's powerful, but he's not changing the rules of physics, opening wormholes and riding jackhammers upside down on a ceiling. All of that is my point number two. He's not changing the rules of physics. He walked to Japan. Just saying. Now, much like, much like William Hung's Christmas album, I'm not buying it, James. Uh, these arguments are 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 expected. I'm going to say right now, Scooby. The idea that Scooby Doo has teleportation, no shot. Look, Scooby Doo, and he's really the only one per se has low level tune force. And he has it primarily for laughs, right? They do the door bit that the Three Stooges would do where they leave on the right door and enter back on the left door. That's low-level Tune Force. That's not like he can magically open portals to other dimensions and then pop through like the Lion Witch in the wardrobe. That's all all extrapolation that go 
goes way, 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 way too far. Uh, and also the costumes. You know, I know the costumes have worked on some weaker-willed individuals where they will suddenly pretend horrifically to be waiters in a Chinese restaurant when the location they're in is not even a Chinese restaurant. And I do not know how they get away with this. I would argue again, this is very low-level Toon Force. And even if that move was to work, how does it defeat the Toxic Avenger? Because eventually uh, the mustache is going to fall off, right? That's what always happens. The wig is going to get caught on a chandelier and the, mo- and the monster always turns and is like, oh wait, you're actually Shaggy and Scooby. Invariably, that's going to happen before anything constructive can happen for your case. And then the Toxic Avenger will disembowel one or both of them. And that's the entire point right there, isn't it? You have to actually defeat the Toxic Avenger. I still have not heard a way that you're actually going to do it. Again, if only I had something to show where they could defeat someone like I, 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 shame you don't. I know it's crazy. All right, we're at the turning point, Phil. You've had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead, and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? You know, I've got to say, I think Mystery Incorporated made up some ground on that one because I do believe that Toon Force is powerful. I still believe Bugs Bunny is one of the most powerful superheroes in the world, and I do understand the kind of Hanna Barbera ness of it of being able to alter reality in a way that the Toxic Avenger does alter reality, but not in that way, right? Like, being able to walk to Japan is, like, just a sign of invincibility. Yes, it's a comedic beat in the movie, but it's also kind of like, just like, oh, this is something he can walk, whereas Scooby-Doo, like, literally can uh, luck his way into things or, you know, uh, disguise people. So if you're trying to turn Toon Force into what the physics and the the way it would alter physics around you. I think that that makes a very good point. I do ultimately, though, you know, I like to give advantage to one or the other after each round, as I've done in the past. I still can't give it to Mystery Incorporated yet because I tend to agree with Ray. Like, he's just so powerful, so strong, ripping off heads, ripping off eyeballs, the famous trauma gelatinous blood goo that kind of looks like half snot, half glue. Like, it is so horrifically violent, and I can't imagine that even with, you know, uh, uh, luck and physics, as soon as he would get close enough to have their hands on them, I just don't see an attack that Mr. Incorporated would have that Toxic Avenger wouldn't be able to destroy by poking out their eyeballs and wearing them like bugle fingers, as Ray so eloquently put it. I mean, that's poetry right there, the way you just mentioned it. All right, Ray, you're slightly ahead. Let's even keep the lead. Hit us with your point number three. Point number three, I want to wrap up a couple things before I even get to it, because you pretended that Scooby-Doo has teleportation, but Toxic Avenger has actually proven himself to have Jason Voorhees-style slasher-portation, where if you're trying to run away from him, he is a deadly monster who will suddenly appear behind you and rip your head off. So you said Scooby kind of has it. I disagree, but Toxic Avenger actually does have it. And I do want to talk about Toon Force briefly because Toon Force is usually about violence, right? It's about Bugs. Bugs Bunny is one of the most powerful Toon Force characters in the entire world. I don't think that can even be argued. Let's not conflate what Bugs Bunny can do with what Scooby-Doo can do. Bugs Bunny can use it to create a level of violence that Scooby-Doo is incapable of conceiving much less doing. Bugs Bunny will take a saw and cut Florida off into the ocean. Scooby-Doo will take a jackhammer and ride up a wall for three seconds. That's not the same thing. So Toon Force is a powerful thing, but remember, Scooby-Doo has low-level 
Toon Force, which is, you know, don't conflate higher uh, uh, tier characters with that. That's like saying, you know, oh, that Marathon, that U Usain Bolt's pretty fast. He's basically the Flash from DC Comics. There's, there's, there's levels. There's levels to these things. Anyway, Toxic Avenger will absolutely win this fight. And it's because, unlike the people that Scooby-Doo fights in the gang, he's not just a rotten capitalist with a rubber mask and a film projector. That's who usually tries to get over on Scooby-Doo. You get to the, the abandoned amusement park or the old mine or, or the ghost town out west. And it's usually because there's some value in this town and they have created a local legend in order to keep people from snooping around. But that's the world where Scooby-Doo thrives in. Toxic Avenger essentially lives in the world of the Sopranos in New Jersey with all the mobsters and gangs, except jacked up to 11, as my friends in Spinal Tap would say. This is a heightened version of that world, and it is hyper-violent. Not something Scooby-Doo is used to conceiving of, again, much less doing. Then there's a fear factor. When you see the Toxic Avenger, he is horrifying looking. He has a burned out bubbly face. His eyeball is drooped. He is a giant jacked monster on top of it. What happens when the Mystery Incorporated gang sees the monster for the first time? They book it. They do not hang around to find out. They might get clues as they're running away, but they get out of town every single time. But let's talk about some of the more things that he's done in his own movies. Because... Toxic Avenger fought Michael Jai White in part two of the Toxic Avenger and slapped him around with a mop repeatedly, knocked away his nunchucks, disarmed him, and Michael Jai White ran away when his watch alarm reminded him of a quote-unquote piano lesson. He, Michael Jai White in a movie did want nothing to do with the Toxic Avenger. That should tell you everything you need to know. And the raw violence that are in these movies, I cannot express it enough without losing the rating on this show. Viscera and gore abound in these films. We're talking heads exploding, arms getting ripped off of bodies, guts getting reached in and yanked out over and over again with vivid visuals. Uh, even look at the trailer for the reboot that's coming out. Uh, there's, this, there's a restaurant, like a fast food restaurant. There's a gang that goes in, reminiscent of other Toxic Avenger movies. The Toxic Avenger just walks in in shadows, starts laughing, and then the view is from the outside of the building where viscera and blood and gore just starts piling on the windows. That's the world of the Toxic Avenger. That is not a world where Shaggy and Scooby and the gang will find themselves comfortable or alive, even. He's also, I would say, had to defeat the evil version of himself, the noxious offender. I love it. But the last thing I want to leave you with is what makes the Toxic Avenger kind of work is that there's a humanity to it all, right? There is a humanity to the Toxic Avenger in that the good guys uh, will always triumph over the bad guys, right? In that the uh, if, a bad, if a good guy goes down, they will be avenged in some way. And horrifically violent things will happen, but eventually they will happen to evil and bad people. There's a notion in these movies that there is some justice in the world, and I, I'm going to save it for my rebuttal, but I have a way that this battle is almost assuredly going to go down. But I'm going to wait to leave that as the final thought in your head, Mr. Phil Ranta. Essentially, the level of violence, they're just not ready for it, and it's going to catch them by surprise. And by the time they realize what's going on, three of them will be dead. <laughs> and what are the others going to do? Run and hide, and it will be too late. And that's my point number three. 
All right, I got to push back on a few things here. Now, first of all, you know, we, we had our first matchup back in season one with Scooby-Doo and Michael Myers, and I prove without a doubt that Scooby-Doo can handle the gory violence of a Michael Myers, take him out and do what he's got to do, and that's what's going to happen here. So he'll use all of the members of Mystery Incorporated to get that win. Now, you know, Toxic Adventure, he doesn't actually beat the main villains of his movies right away. It takes him a while. That's why they last a whole movie. You know, it's at least, what, 90 minutes or whatever it was back in the 80s. So he's not someone who, like, sees the enemy, understands what to do with the bigger picture, go after it. It takes him time to kind of get whatever he needs to get done, done. That's just a thing. On top of that, the Toxic Adventure, you know, what's really cool, he's used to fighting beings that are around his power level. And if he ever has to take on something more powerful, I'm not sure if he has, but if he has to fight things that are apparently not at his power level, I really got to wonder how he's going to react to that. Because, again, not the smartest person around, hate to say it. I do believe he's going to completely underestimate what Mystery Incorporated, especially what Scooby-Doo can do in this fight. That's a fact. You know, on top of that, I also think Daphne's the X factor here. Didn't the Toxic Venture, you know, he had a girlfriend, but then something happened to her or something. He wasn't a very popular guy before he transformed. You know, if he's going to see Daphne, is that going to kind of make him like, you know, drop his guard a little bit? Who knows? All of this emotional turmoil is going to come into play. But let me kind of get to the fun stuff with this. Let me get to my point number three. And point number three, we got to talk about the mystery van, the big wins, and how this fight goes down. Look, I know, Ray, you've already talked about Toxic Adventure taking out a van, but the mystery machine is not your regular van. It's way more durable. It's great off-roading. It's got a lab in the back and a full kitchen. How there's a lab and a full kitchen in a van, I don't understand. Maybe that's more cartoon physics happening. But here's the deal. This thing has been used to it's smash into you know, opponents. It's you know acted as kind of a defensive mechanism, protected the Scooby gang a lot. That could actually be a factor. Is that going to take out the Toxic Avenger? No. Is it going to occupy him? Maybe weaken him a little bit? Quite possibly. Now, on top of the van, we have to know that the Mystery Incorporated gang have had some massive wins. And I'm not talking about the, again, it's Mr. Jones, who's really disguised as the Captain Space pirate, whatever that is, you know, let's just talk about Scooby-Doo on his own, because Scooby-Doo on his own, I mentioned before in a previous match, he's defeated werecats, think of werewolves, but for cats, he's defeated witches, aliens with super advanced tech, even the giant and demonic super powerful vampire named the Yowie Yahoo, which is Australia's biggest and most powerful giant demon vampire, he, Scooby destroyed him completely. Let me repeat this. Scooby-Doo on his own defeated a demonic, super powerful vampire that was a giant. I think that's slightly more powerful than Toxic Avenger. But when you take Scooby-Doo and add in the synergy he has with the rest of the Mystery Incorporated, you get even bigger wins. They beat a character called Dark Lilith. This is a supernatural villain who used dark magic to cast illusion spells and could control time, and they found a way to drain her powers to beat her. They beat the Goblin King, a character who had insane levels of super strength and durability, magic, and who could also control masters and they, monsters. They beat him. They beat the Anunnaki, and that was in Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, uh, some movie from there. The Anunnaki could shapeshift and had the power of reality manipulation. They beat an opponent that can manipulate reality. They even beat, wait for this one, Ray Sicanus. They beat Krampus. Krampus, Ray Sicanus. And how do they beat a character so powerful that he control ice and snow and the cold and transform people into his minions? By tricking him into falling into a pit where he was then frozen. 
Don't know how that works, but Mr. Incorporated figured it out and beat Krampus. See, this is what I'm getting at. The Toxic Avenger, as powerful he is, is nowhere near the level of powers of magic, time-controlling, reality manipulation supervillains that Mystery Incorporated has defeated. Never mind those crazy supervillains that Scooby's defeated on his own. As individuals, look, these they could do some damage as a team. They are saving the world on a consistent basis against beings who could literally destroy it. Again, these are movies in the you know the animated series from I guess the late 80s and on, but this thing, it, things have changed for Mr. Incorporated and Scooby-Doo. So here's how this fight goes down. They're going to face off. Fred and Velma, always the strategist, instantly plan a trap. Velma and, and Daphne, using their quick and keen powers of observation, notice the chemical burns and damage the Toxic Adventures has and start to concoct a, some type of antidote in their mind in the lab in the back of the mystery van, which they plan to administer if only they could get a sample of his skin or something. So Shaggy and Scooby are elected to be the bait for the Toxic Avenger. They're armed with a walkie-talkie and the promise of a lifetime supply of Scooby snacks. And they're like, cool. They draw the attention of the Toxic Adventure. As the anti-hero follows them, Fred's trap is set into motion. But through some clumsy missteps of Shaggy and Scooby, the trap doesn't work. But the Toxic Adventure left a skin sample on the ground that Velma takes and starts to analyze super quick. The Toxic Avenger chases after them. We've seen this before, where he then dodges more traps. He's getting closer and closer. He's almost going to make the Mr. Incorporate have to hide in a construction site, because that's where they chase into. Scared out of their minds, Scooby-Doo accidentally trips and lands on a jackhammer, which he rides across the room, up a wall, upside down across some beams on the ceiling, and where the Toxic Avenger is standing and directly falls on the Toxic Avenger, hitting him with the full force of the jackhammer. Now, of course, this only stuns him for a second, because that's the second that Velma uses to administer the antidote to the chemicals, whatever it was the Toxic Adventure has, and starts to transform back into Melvin, who then thanks the group for doing so. And that's just one way they can win. Look, in the end, Mystery Incorporated has taken on beaten much more powerful opponents than the awesome Toxic Adventure. And in terms of finding a cure that will reverse the toxicity going through them, they've reversed time manipulation, witchcraft, sorcery, magic. They've trapped people in technology that was being used against them. Velma will use that lab, figure out how to revert, whatever they're going to do. They have a million ways to beat the Toxic Avenger. And again, they've beaten way more powerful opponents before. All of that is my point number three. No shot. Much like the 2023 New York Yankees, you're trying your best and bless your heart for it. What traps are we talking about here? You've just created a world where there were just pre-laid traps and pits and, and all left all around the place. We said it was a neutral location. That didn't sound very neutral to start if Mystery Incorporated is allowed to set up two dozen traps around the area that only they know about ahead of time. Seems a little implausible. And let's talk about some of these massively powerful villains, right? How powerful, James, is a vampire in a show that contains zero blood? I would ask that question. We're not talking about Dracula from the Castlevania Netflix show here, okay? And the Goblin King? James, he's only a 2-2 red creature that costs three mana. Not that impressive. And the Krampus, he, they lured him into a frozen pit. Do we think there will be a frozen pit in this particular environment? No. You mentioned trapping people in their own technology. Toxic Avengers not bringing his own technology. Like, all of the things you talked about is using someone's main like technological or magical weakness against them. I didn't really hear an example of them overpowering a super strong, violent character because that's not what they face. They face lowest level possible versions of these characters because these shows won't do violence. Again, the second that something bad happens, they are not going to know what to do. 
because, and the thing is, I know these characters that they're defeating are low level because the Scooby gang is defeating them. That's how I know, uh, first off. When the Toxic Avenger gets one-on-one -on -one against a perceived enemy, he murders them. He murders them immediately. There might be a small fight that happens, but generally speaking, they die very, very quickly. Uh, he's also killed women who went around taking pictures of dead people for fun. He will have no problem killing Velma and Daphne if he needs to. Also, Toxie has a girlfriend. She's blind. He will not be tempted by the feminine wiles of the ladies on the team either. The way it's going to go is that they're all going to be there together, and he's going to pop out, and they're all going to take him in, and they're going to scream. He's going to reach forward. He's going to grab Fred's ascot. Sorry, kids. He's going to pull on it, and he's going to pop Fred's head off within 10 seconds of this encounter starting. The leader of the team is gone. The others will scatter. Daphne and Velma will try to hide. They will be hiding in side places, in cupboards, in cabinets, wherever they think they can. But that's when the slasher portation pops in. Just when they feel safe, he will show up. He will smash their two heads together as if two watermelons colliding filled with gelatinous substance because it's a trauma film uh, in theory along the way. This leaves Shaggy and Scooby. He's going to stalk them. They're going to try some Tune Force stuff. They're going to go up the walls. They're going to try to drop a chandelier on his head. They're going to try to, you know, uh, have uh, a brick uh, land on him from a great height. I don't know, but his durability will then come into play. There's nothing they're going to do that's actually going to stop him. Eventually, Shaggy's going to plead. Shaggy's going to plead for his life or try some sort of a trick, put on a disguise. Again, uh, something's going to tear. It's going to reveal that the, the mask isn't real. The wig isn't real. The mustache falls off. Toxic Avenger, enraged, is going to take his mop, shove it down Shaggy's throat, murdering him there at this point it's just him and scooby left and scooby-doo is going to get grabbed by the toxic avenger and thrown into a sack he's going to take scooby home to be the new seeing eye dog for his blind girlfriend because when i mentioned that dog that got shot earlier it was her seeing eye dog and she needs a new one he will bring scooby-doo home and domesticate him himself and that's how this battle's actually going to go Racy Canis, <clears throat> I've said you're a monster in the past, uh, but now that's an insult to monsters. I don't know where your head is at. Um, again, it's not I in a good be, place, James. It's, I know, and uh, you know you can get help for that. But um, all entertaining stuff. I disagree with pretty much everything you've had to say. But it's not up to me to decide who wins this. That's up to our celebrity judge, Phil Ranta. So, Phil, you've heard three points from both Ray and myself, and it's time for you to make a decision. But before we get to what Phil has to say. Let's celebrate the Who Would Win Patron of the Week. Every week we choose one of our amazing members of the Who Would Win Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? Today we're going back to one of our original favorite patrons of all time, Gunnar Lahoffer. It's time. You're back, Gunnar. Let's do this. Wow. Okay. Gunnar is just like, you know, he's got like, he's like the army of one. So uh, let's have Gunner, the army of one, go up against an army. Let's have Gunner go up against the strongest army in geek culture. That's right. I'm talking about the 200,000 people who attend San Diego Comic-Con. Wow. Well, boy, James, you're really giving me a softball here. Okay, 200,000 people at San Diego Comic-Con 
versus Gunnar Lofauer. Now, the one thing you have to keep in mind is that Gunnar is into a darker heavy metal. He's into classic rock. He's into sort of costume dark music, right? And he's not just like into it like I like it. He's into it in that he's part of the communities, right? So when he shows up, knowing he needs to take down all of San Diego Comic-Con, all 200,000 people, one of them could be Dwayne The Rock Johnson for all we know, chances are he's going to be there. He's going to show up not by himself, James. He is going to bring an army with him. He's going to bring the KISS army with him. That's right. He's going to bring all of the fans of KISS from around the world, numbering in the multi-millions. They're all going to have face painted like they were the OG Juggalos that they are. And let me tell you, an army of boomer Juggalos going up against the cosplay kids from San Diego Comic-Con... I got to go with the face painted ones on this one. Gunner, you swamped them, you took them out, and now you sit on the Game of Thrones. One of the few times I have to disagree because in that army of 200,000 people of Comic-Con attendees is one James Gabsey leading this army. We'll see next time, Gunner. We'll see if you actually get the win. Now, Ace Freely took you out with a bow and arrow. Sorry, James. That's okay. That The arrow broke. All right. Congratulations, Gunner. Remember, you too can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash show and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Phil, it's time for your decision. Take us through your process. Tell us the story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Mystery Incorporated and the Toxic Avenger. I am shocked that this was as hard as it was. I am shocked. And I think that's a testament to the skills of both of you. I'd like to say congratulations for your long history of having these silly, silly arguments. You're clearly very skilled at it. I think that what I always try to do when I hear these kind of arguments is try to find these universal commonalities, right? The Tromaverse and the Hanna-Barbera-verse could not be more different, but we need to find <laughs> where that Venn diagram is so we can just figure out what the pure physics are, right? Because Scooby would have the advantage in Hanna-Barbera-verse, Troma would have, or uh, uh, Toxie would have the uh, advantage in Tromaverse. And there was one thing that both of you guys alluded to in your arguments, and that's that in both universes, it is the good guy always defeats the bad guy. And that means like, in Scooby-Doo world, there were they always at the end of every single. There's never a cliffhanger. There's never an Empire Strikes Back ending. And as soon as someone is defined in the Toxic Avengers world as being a bad guy, they are reduced to a pile of pinkish, whitish goo. Because Troma uses blood with white in it, which is even more disturbing. So I've got to imagine the way that they're going to meet as a school. It's the most neutral zone where both janitors can coexist with meddling kids <laughs> so they meet at this school immediately scooby and the gang go okay we've seen this before this is a monster of some sort there's gonna be a battle he looks pretty angry about all of this meddling right immediately shaggy i don't buy it that he's gonna stick around he gone right there shaggy is cowering in the corner he, he can maybe hang in the back a little bit because he's got to stay in the battle in order to make this a battle, or else it becomes like a five-day battle where they're just searching for Shaggy. And uh, Maybe he is. That wouldn't affect the outcome too much, but that's what it'd be. But I do agree. Fred, Velma, and the often misunderstood Daphne, who does come up with a lot of planning, would be the first to look at him, size him up, and immediately have that, okay, 
This is what his weaknesses are. I can tell by his skin that he's some sort of toxic thing. Well, what cleans up toxicity? Well, we need to find some sort of cleaning solution. Oh, there's a janitor's closet. Oh, there's a fire hose. Oh, there's this. In the meantime, Toxie is just doing his wonderful slow walk to him, giving him the time. Because Toxie doesn't run, and he also can't do his Michael Myers warp unless they turn his back, and they're not going to be doing that during that time. So they've got a little bit of time to plan, which I'm sure they appreciate. Immediately, Velma, Daphne, and Fred come up with the plan that they are going to take janitorial supplies, they're going to throw the bleach in the air, take a fireman's hose, psh, knock all the toxicity out of them, and I've got to imagine, even though I can't remember if that was ever done in the movies, that's got to weaken them a little bit, right? There's got to be a little bit of kryptonite. I'm just going to guess, but at the very least, the fire hose is very strong, and bleach is very strong. I've got to assume it's the best thing there to stop them a little bit. So, immediately they decide to go do that, but first they need a distraction. You're absolutely right, because if Toxie's just walking at it, he's the kind of person that would put his hand down and go, Psh. But I think there is something very interesting. He does have a girlfriend, and I'm glad that Ray brought that up at the end. But also, Scooby-Doo has the ability to dress up oddly like a thing and have you believe it's the thing. So I gotta assume Scooby-Doo is gonna dress up as that girlfriend as the distraction, stop Toxie long enough to be like, ah, like he's got a little bit of that love because he is a little bit of a ladies' man and all those things. There's that underlying trauma, like everything has a little bit of sex there. And that would give them the time in order to spray him down and that would knock him out just for a second, right? So Scooby and the gang, minus Shaggy, who's already halfway to vegan In-N-Out Burger right now, whatever that is in that universe, <laughs> gets up on him. But what happens every time in a Scooby-Doo episode that they knock a monster on its butt? They assume it's a mask. Especially with a face like that. They do, James! Don't give me that look. If they saw a face like that, especially with trauma-style makeup... You would assume it's a mask. Anyone would. This is not like the Banshees of the 80s and 90s or the Witches. You look at a trauma monster and you tell me that if you knock that on its butt, you wouldn't say, that's Principal Withers trying to steal money from the PTA. You would, and you know it, and no, don't even give me that look. So what are they going to do? They're going to walk up to Toxie. They're going to say, let's see who you really are. Toxie has a kind of loose skin. They would grab it. Start pulling and what's gonna happen it's gonna start pulling off some of the skin oh what does that make the scooby gang that makes them bad guys they're ripping at the skin right <laughs> immediately toxie goes there we go we've got a bunch of bad guys here these aren't just kids these aren't these are gang members on the level of the other gang member trying to rip my face off and so what he does wraps his arms around all of them throws them into the mystery machine crushes it into the side, makes slurry out of all of them as Scooby Stacks and Viscera fall out the tailpipe, and then he just chucks it to the side. Hard cut to a scene where he's with his girlfriend being very tender, and that's the end of Mystery Incorporated. So the winner is the Toxic Avenger. Unbelievable. There you go. I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, although I completely disagree, I l that is probably my... At least my top three, if not my favorite explanation for how a battle would go by a judge of all time in the history of would win. That was insanely entertaining. It was an emotional journey. I was crying. I was laughing. And then I was crying at the end because I didn't agree with the decision. But I got to tell you, Phil Ranta, you are a storyteller extreme. I do have to ask you a question, though. Have yeah. you watched much Scooby-Doo from like the 2000s on? 
No, because I was an adult during that time. Ah, that's but, why. Uh, now, but I get I did, now I get it. I did do a little bit of Googling right before this. And yeah, the, the monsters that are in the new one that are real monsters, come on, they ain't Toxie. You know, they ain't Toxie. I know. They're so much more. They're like Krampus. Oh, come on. Right. Listen, Phil, I got to tell you, I love you as a judge. That was awesomely entertaining. I can't be upset. Even though I disagree, I can't be upset because what you just described, I hate to say it, someone on YouTube is actually going to make that a thing and we'll all enjoy it and have a good laugh because it's wrong. It's not how it happened. All right, Race to Canis. You came up with a great battle. You, 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 you debated beautifully. You got to win. And again, I'm not unhappy about this one because Phil Ranta did such a great job. You were here as well. Tell the Legion of Audience how you feel right now. I feel fully redeemed against Scooby-Doo. You, for the last four seasons of this show, have brought up that absolutely unfair Stefan Thomas judged battle of Michael Myers versus Scooby-Doo, where I felt from second one of that match, I was never going to be given a fair strike. But instead, we have an honorable fellow, such as Phil Ranta, with one of the best decisions, story-wise, we've ever heard on the Who Would Win show. I have been fully redeemed. I have now won Shocktober after losing Showdown September. I am now on a three-match winning streak. This is how the Who Would Win show is actually supposed to feel. I'm pumped up, and Phil Ranta, you're big into the AIs of the world. I would love to see a pictorial of this battle seen through the lens of one of your uh, uh, AI programs. Just saying. Yeah, Stable Diffusion, Mid-Journey Nerds, Dolly, Three Beasts, you get on it, because I can't uh, do this uh, with kids running around the house, or Child Protective terrifying. Services would take them away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good point. All right, listen, Phil Ranta, again, I don't know if I said this before, uh, you're a fantastic judge. I completely disagree with your judgment and outcome today. Uh, I've also explained uh, and, and clearly established that you did not reference any of the Scooby-Doo material I brought to you know the table from like 2000 on, but that's okay because, again, the storytelling that you provided was so entertaining. It was absolutely fantastic. Please come back onto the show, and in the meantime, tell the Legion of Audience, our faithful fan base, where they can find you online. You can find me at every social network at Phil Ranta. That's P-H-I-L-R-A-N-T-A. But I'm most active on the LinkedIn. So make sure to follow me. Let's talk about digital media, people. It's a fun internet these days. Again, I just love the fact that you're th that LinkedIn is where you're taking a stand. That's, I, I mean, that's the that's last courageous. stand. I love it. All right, Ray Stacanus. Uh Phil Ranta got you another win today. Uh, you were also here representing the Toxic Avenger. Congratulations on that win that Phil Ranta got for you. Tell the Legion of Audience where they can find you online. You know those sour grapes sure taste sweet to me, James. It really must be terrible to lose a whole bunch of matches in a row and feel like you did a good job in those matches. Shame we don't know what that's like in reverse is... The point I'm trying to make in all of this is first off, Phil Ranta, great job. Great job being on LinkedIn. Usually I'm only on there for like six weeks at a time every few years for reasons, but that's okay. <laughs> some people honestly make it their thing. And given the state of some of these other social media apps, who could blame you for taking what will always be a stable environment, quite frankly, and making it your own good job to you, Toxic Avenger. This is one of the very few times I've had to do all my research after midnight and hoping that nobody else in my household at all needs to get up to use the bathroom while I am researching my character. 
I'm not, again, I cannot suggest these movies to anybody, but if you're interested in cultural relics of the past, there's something there. But if you watch it and say, oh, Ray, I, this is horrifying. Yes, yes, it is. But I did watch these movies when I was much younger. I enjoyed them for what they are. It was a worse time back then, and we were all worse people. And this is the sort of thing we found entertaining that is a little cringe in the year 2023. I have said what I have said. Come at me, Toxie fans. I have I have made your guy win over Toon Force, ladies and gentlemen. That is made of magic. That is made of stars. That is made of heaven. That is made of Ray. You can find me on threads at Almighty Ray 316 That is the social media site that I am now on. Twitter's gone. I don't even go on there anymore. Stop messaging me or adding me on Twitter. I might see it two weeks from when you post it, and by then it'll be buried and I won't care anymore. Anyway, just Twitter's gone. Come to me on threads. Almighty Ray 316 is where we're doing it. We'll see you on the Threadsverse. I mean, that's the thing. Or LinkedIn. LinkedIn's a great place, too. All right, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gads. You remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Cicadas, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sup everyone, Brian here, host of the TV and Movie Trivia Podcast. It's a trivia-style podcast focusing on TV and movies. Listen in for questions like, what's the name of Michael Scott's screenplay? What do you say to view the Marauder's map? What are Tony Stark's last words to Thanos in Avengers Endgame? And where does Ron Burgundy say he is when he calls the news station sobbing from a phone booth? I've covered The Office, Harry Potter, Marvel, Will Ferrell movies, Lord of the Rings, and more, with even more on the way. So play along to the TV and Movie Trivia Podcast anywhere you get podcasts, and stay tuned for more trivia! Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Okay, got to prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins.